Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Today on the show is an Olympian from Tokyo 2020 who competed in his first games for Australia in the men's 10-kilometre open water event. He's been on the Aussie team now since 2019, competing in marathon swims all around the world. We've been trying to make this chat happen for a little while now. I'm glad we finally got it done. It's a massive welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Kai Edwards. Kai, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. As I said, we've been trying to get this happening for a while and we I think we yeah. even had it sorted at one stage and then like at the last minute something popped up for you and then something popped yeah. up for me and we've just kind of gone with the flow of it as uh, as is the nature of since COVID's happened, that's what happens. People just go with the flow. We learn to, to get around it. But uh, how's your day been? Yeah, good. Pretty cruisy. Um, actually just picked up a motorbike today to zoom around Sydney. Yeah, very nice. Anyone that follows you on socials knows you do like to to get out around on the motorbike. So, um, what what did you get? Uh, keeping in mind what you're about to say has no no impact on me. I have no idea what sort of model yeah. and make and all that. But I'm sure some others out there are keen to hear it. So, what have you picked up? So it's a 2013 Hyosung GT 650R. Nice, and you got a so good it's deal. A little- yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different to what I'm used to. I'm used to the Harley, so this is my first race bike. So nice. What good. was the switch up for then? What 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 prompted that? Sydney's not a cruiser bike area. It is definitely <laughs> zoom around and get stuff done, man. Yeah, no, I can't argue with that, mate. As I said, you you got the bike pretty much about ten minutes from where I live, and uh, yeah. yeah, I can confirm. You know, it's not a cruiser <laughs> area, that's <laughs> for sure. Right. Not unless you want to go up or down the coast. In which case, you might get stuck in traffic there too. I can't, I can't yeah. really guarantee there's <laughs> going to be a cruise up or down the coast. Uh, mate, let's get stuck straight into it in terms of you're in Sydney, as we said, you're training. Talk to me about that switch. Um, you know, was it a hard decision to, to make a move down? Uh, how long have you been down for? How long are you staying down for? Have you got you sort of your head around that or are you just sort of going with the flow at the moment? Um. Well, I moved down probably a month ago and that's because my coach, Chris Nesbitt from the Gold Coast, moved here and I think I was out of the water for about six or seven months and then decided that I wanted to make a comeback and knew Neza 
Chris Nesbitt was the man to get me back on track and obviously the goal is to make the 2024 Olympics. Nice. Well, it's a big shift for anyone who's been living on the Gold Coast to come down to Sydney. Uh, you are one of a few that actually does make the shift. Not many people make the change, such as uh, is yeah. the status of Chris Nesbitt as a coach, I, I'd assume, and, and he's a great man, and I'm, I'm hopefully getting him on the podcast for a chat myself very soon. Are you enjoying Sydney since you've moved down? I know you've, you get around, you've been doing a bit of sightseeing and just going to the big touristy places. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Oh, look, it's a bit of a culture shock to be honest with you i'm not used to the the city life essentially i've got a pretty privileged life i guess on the gold coast so it was a bit of a shock at the start but no i'm settling in nicely now how tough was it mate uh following tokyo to get into gear and get motivated again reset your goals you know for this year and beyond as you said 2024 did you have much of it for lack of a better way of saying it a tokyo hangover did you have much of that where you're like oh i just need a oh, break yeah big time i think you know you come off such a big high after the olympics and then essentially my club wasn't there after i got back from the olympics they kind of already had their team break up while i was overseas so i got back and didn't have a club and then just didn't go back in the pool and i guess it was pretty hard to to decide whether or not to move to Sydney. And I honestly hadn't made up my mind till probably a few months ago that I would. So I was pretty content with life away from the pool, to be totally honest with you. Mm. Yeah, well, it sounds mm. like I remember talking to Jake Packard after when we we're in um, lockdown and we had all that and he was out spearfishing and stuff. And I remember him saying something yeah, similar yeah. to me, like, Do you remember, if swimming didn't go back, I'd be pretty all right. Like I'm, I'm enjoying myself out here. So uh, it, it is hard, especially with the grind of things. And as we said, you're an open water swimmer, so no doubt you're smashing out the Ks. Talk to me about the shift, though, in mindset to say, no, I'm going to go to Sydney and I'm going to give this a crack. Obviously, you're having chats with Chris. You're going to have to um, you know, work it out with your family, with your partner as well. Um, how, how did that sort of change come around from enjoying your time off to, all right, nah, it's time to get back into gear now. And I think you even put a post about uh, Conor McGregor, like something about yeah. the King's back or something. So I remember seeing that because that's what prompted me to be like, oh, oh, he's getting back into it. So, yeah, talk to me about that mind shift. Well, it kind of got to a point where Swimming Australia wanted to know whether or not I was going to keep swimming or not. And then I remember calling up one of my coaches, Adam Mallet. And I was like, oh, like, I just don't know whether or not to keep going and kind of asked him what it was like for him retiring. And he kind of said that it just, it never really felt right regardless of what he'd done. Mm. And he's like, oh, just go for a swim, like just swim up and down, see how you go. And I hadn't really been in the water since the Olympics. And I went in for a swim, went in for another swim. And then I sort of got a bit of an itch for it. And then I watched nationals open water. And I was like, oh, man, I should be there right now in the trenches with the boys. I was watching on Amazon. And it was a few conversations with Nezar and organised to go down to Sydney just for a few few days and train a little bit and then came back here. And I still hadn't made up my mind yet and had conversations with my friends and family. And at the end of the day, I didn't want to regret having such a short period of my life where I can be an athlete. Mm and essentially not seeing my full potential. So I guess that was kind of the defining factor for me. Yeah, no, mate, it's it's a good decision, I think, because obviously 
you know, that taste of it over in Tokyo and uh, you want that again. And I think the other allure for, for you, <clears throat> lure, I should say, is, um, is you know, Paris really isn't that far away. It's it's not that normal sort of four-year prep, is it? Where I was like, oh, shit, do I want to go another four years? I mean, I say it like I've been there. I've not been there. You've done it. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm assuming that played a part too, going, well, actually, it's not that far. And if I can really get this together, what well, you know, you've got another two, two and a bit years. Yeah, sure, that played a part. And essentially for open water, our qualification starts at the start of next year, potentially, because we go to nationals and then there'll be a few international races to go to Worlds. And then obviously top 10 at Worlds makes a team. So you could have a spot selected next year. That's crazy. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about that in a second as well, because especially when talking about qualifying for Tokyo, because I don't know if a lot of people do understand that obviously – Part of me in the pool, you know, you get your hand on the wall first or second, you punch your ticket so long as you're under that qualifying time. Let's not talk about that. There's a bit of controversy about that last time yeah. around as well. But for open water, yeah. you know, as yeah. you said, it is a bit different. So we'll, we'll bust into that in a bit. But talk to me about since you've came, you've come down uh, with Chris uh, Carlisle. How's that been? Yeah, it's really good. I'm getting along so well with with that um, the group down there, you know. I've got a few of the boys from the Gold Coast made the move before me as well. So I've got another open water swimmer in the group as well, which makes it a bit easier as well. So, no, nah, it's all going really well and really enjoying being with a fresh group in a fresh place. It's like a fresh start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck from from uh, me to you. And as I said, you, you're one of a few that have made the, the shift. Not many people do go from Queensland down to New South Wales. And, um, mate, I'm, I'm backing you all the way and hopefully we can see some uh, good results for you in the future. Now, I generally like to take my guests back to to where it all started in the pool around this stage, mate, just to give people a, a good um, gauge. As you know, obviously we're at Olympic Games, but you didn't just you know weren't born, jumped in the pool one day, and you're at Olympic yeah. Games. So, what's your earliest memories of swimming? Well, I was down at Southport Pool originally. Um, I can remember it was a bit of a Bit of a fight with mum and dad to get me down the pool. I hated it. <laughs> um, and then I guess my open water career kind of started when I was probably about 12, 13, when I started swimming at TSS with David Proud at the time. Mm. And um, he had done a bit of open water stuff, swim at Worlds and stuff, open water. And I think I did my first 5K when I was 13. And then sort of was just doing pool swimming as well. Used to do the 400 IM, did a bit of everything. Picked up a few age medals in the four medley and 1500. And then when I turned 17, did my first 10K. And um, I think I won states. And then not long after, went to nationals and medaled at nationals. And not long after that, made a junior worlds team. Yeah, nice. Mate, did you play any other sports growing up? Obviously on the Gold Coast, you know, other you know, some are getting into the surf and stuff like that. But did you get around any other sports? Uh, probably AFL till I was about four, 13, 14. I played AFL for a while. Do you still but still was, follow it? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Mad Richmond supporter. Oh, there you go. Yeah. No, well, look, now you're in Sydney. You're not going to hear anything about that other than maybe the Sydney Swans, and that's only if they're going yeah. well. Other than that, no. Sydney, Sydney don't really talk about the AFL yeah, too much. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that already. Yeah, no, not really. 
Yeah, no, no, we don't talk about it too much down here. But yeah, it's always good as you know, do would you recommend for the younger swimmers coming through to, you know, still stay in other sports as they're growing up? I for one, do uh, encourage, you know, younger swimmers to 14, 15, even, Um, obviously, you can still take swimming seriously. But I think it's good to, to have that balance in other sports as well. Oh, for sure. That age, like, so important to be having fun and not being so caught up in just swimming because it can just be too much for someone that young. And I think it just builds basic athleticism. If you're doing such a range of sporting activities, it can end up helping your swimming long-term if you're doing a bit of everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think it does play to that longevity of people's careers because they're not, you know, six, seven, eight days a week in the pool when they're 13 and just eventually, you know, you just, you, you'd know better than me. Just yeah. like, oh man, I don't want to wake up again. Um, yeah. mate, swimming, as we all know, has ebbs and flows, twists and turns, especially, you know, to the heights that you've got to now for all those younger listeners. Um, you know, what, what have you been through in your career? Any moments, any sort of, uh, you know, speed humps where you did think about, um, you know, going, oh, look, I don't know if this is for me. This is, you, you mentioned when you were younger, you know, mum and dad dragging you in there like, oh, I don't want to go. You know, yeah. did you have anything like that that you had to sort of overcome and, and how did you? Oh, look, open water swimming specifically is such a roller coaster. I mean, 2017 I did so well opens and then the year after I was lucky to make top 10 and it's just been a bit of up and down since then and I think probably the toughest period was 2020 qualifying for the Olympics Mm. I was really unwell in hospital the night before we raced raced didn't make the team had to self-fund to go overseas and then obviously didn't get the result I wanted over there and then essentially the Olympic dream was over And I guess that period was probably the toughest. I didn't really see myself continuing in the sport. I was almost resentful of the sport after giving it so much and then just having it taken away like that was was tough. And then obviously COVID happened and everything reset and yeah, everything went my way after that. <laughs> well, listen, it doesn't happen as e- as easy as that. You can put your cheeky <laughs> smile on all you like, but it, we we all know it doesn't go, you know, that way, and and it's not that easy. You obviously re sort of you know calibrated, you readjusted, you rethought of a new plan. You and your your coach, you know, readjusted, uh, and and I like to sort of double down on this because there's a lot of swimmers at the moment. The, you know, the national age championships qualifying has just finished. So you either made it or you didn't. Uh, and there are a lot of people out there similar to you that probably gave everything they had for the last 12 weeks. I know I had a swimmer who missed a time by 0.02 in the 100 yeah. free and, you know, she was devastated. So talk to me about that though. We, you, you know, you said you were feeling a little bit resentful at the time. You know, what, what did it take for you to sort of, obviously we had COVID that played a part and was helpful to you, but how did you and your coach go about re sort of, you know, shifting the brain and say, okay, well, this is the goal now and this is where we're heading. And yes, this was disappointing, but let's use it as a positive to fuel the fire, so to speak. Well, I don't know if I'm like other swimmers um, and I can't say that Neza loves it, but I'm someone who, you know, when, when something like that super disappointing happens, I've kind of got to take my mind off it and sort of just surround myself people I like to be around and do things I like doing which might not mean still doing 10 sessions a week might be cutting Mm. back and just enjoying life essentially and 
letting myself reset and then because I'm kind of a all or nothing person, to be honest with you. It's mm. crazy work or it's no work <laughs> at all. Matt, well, I can I can resonate with that for sure. And there's definitely, yeah, I, I think, you know, as you said, there's uh, there's many ways to skin a cat and you can't yeah. always be in it. And as you said, yeah, you definitely need to sometimes remove yourself uh, from the situation, look outside and then go, okay, no, I do want to get back in. Uh, I think yeah. even as coaches, we need to do that sometimes, just have a weekend off and or just time away and just, you know. Yeah, reset. yeah, sure. I'm looking forward to myself, actually, mate. Just give a bit of in- background info. I've got a, a motorhome I've, we've rented, and after oh, Nationals, awesome. we're, we're going for a bit of a road trip, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, giddy up. <laughs> have you ever been in a motorhome? No, I haven't. Well, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. We, yeah, we do yeah. talk a little bit on, on socials and DMs, <laughs> so I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. and. Um, my only my only thing is there's no number twos on this because i don't want to have to deal with well let's face with the shit i don't want to have to deal with (laughs) with the shit nobody wants that funneling putting it in a thing and getting it out so no no number twos but hey side of the road yeah that's it that's it the side of the road and the places we're not going any bloody we're going to proper you know holiday parks so they've got blocks and toilets and all that sort of stuff yeah She'll be right. Yeah, she'll be right. If it's that 2 a.m., you don't want to get out and get wandering to the block. But (laughs) it's okay. It's the sacrifices we have to make. Now, mate, 2019 World Champs Guangzhou. Talk to me about that experience. Um, You know, having a look, just doing a bit of research, this seems to be your first sort of big international event. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But you finished 14th there in the 10K with some gun swimmers in in amongst that too with Wellbrook, uh, Wellbrook, sorry, Palcineri. Um, what did you take away from that experience? Oh, that one. I can remember that one. That was a steep learning curve, that one. I'd done well at a few World Cups beforehand, but you never got that meet where sort of everyone was there, not mm. that that diversity of all these high-performance swimmers. And it was just such a hectic race, so fast-paced, something that I just wasn't used to. And, you know, I was, I was happy with the result, but it was bittersweet because it was the first time mum and dad had been able to come and watch me racing internationally and to be so close to getting an Olympic spot, it, it was, um, you know, it was hard afterwards, but once you, you took a step back and you realised what you'd done, it, it was pretty special. And then obviously I got to do the um, 25K. I chucked my hand up to do that one because I can remember my coach, David Proud, back in the day telling me how he'd done his and how hardcore he was. I was like, oh. <laughs> I got to give this a crack and then did really well in that. I think I came fifth in that one. And yeah, I was stoked. What was that experience like? So, for, you know, obviously for everyone listening, every pool you go to is different, but you know, for you, you're, you're in the elements as well. So the different conditions, what was it like over there? Had you been in and amongst anything like that before? And was that a learning curve in itself? Oh, the 10 K was pretty standard. You know, you get a little bit of chop here and there. Some parts are flat, some parts a bit more choppy, but, the 25k a typhoon was on at the time so that was <laughs> brutal i think that's probably why i did so well because it was just such a slug out <laughs> a typhoon see this is what the people in the pool they don't get it this is what you're battling oh, all this sort honestly. of stuff yeah 
<laughs> now, now I'm curious because, um, you know, for everyone listening, there's youngsters and there's coaches and they're all planning ahead. Now we've got Paris 2024, maybe even might've been Paris 2028. It depends how far down the line you want to go for you and your coach. And we sort of touched on it a little bit before, but how far out from Tokyo were you planning? Obviously, again, we know that it changed and COVID hit. So what was 2020 became 2021, essentially. But how far out did you have that in your sights? Was it from 2019 when you were there? Well, talk to me about that process. What did that look like for you? Yeah, I think, I think it was in my mind, honestly, earlier than that. I think even 2017, I was young, sort of everyone was a bit older and deciding whether or not to keep swimming after Rio. And I was like, oh, I'm on here, like a few older boys, I'm coming up. And then 2018 didn't go well. And then 2019, I was on fire again. And I was, yeah, I was real keen. And yeah, I just thought I was on there and then <laughs> wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Now, obviously, open water, you know, very different training. What, what are your, your favourite training sets for the week? Do you have any sort of bread and butter type sets that – uh, albeit long at times, you you enjoy yeah. them? Yeah. Oh, my favourites are probably the ones, the hardest ones. I've got a pretty stand one, two 5K time trials on 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a slow first 5K, like both 5Ks you're hurting yourself. That's probably my favourite. We'll always do that one before a big race. Um, I don't know. I just love getting in and grinding and, I guess I just get obsessed with how fast I can do things and how much I can improve and yeah. I, I think one thing that probably people would find, not so much coaches or swimmers, but certainly if there's parents or people from outside that listen to the podcast, sort of open water training isn't just, all right, get in and do 10 kilometers every day. Do you enjoy doing some speed work as well? And, and do you, are you deceptively fast? Would we be surprised to know you've got a quick 50 in you? <laughs> Oh, I don't think you'd be that surprised by my 50, <laughs> but there's such a huge element of speed needed in the 10K. I mean, you've got races coming down to the same as a 50-meter freestyle at the Olympics. You know, there's point nothing between people. So I don't think people realize how important it is to have speed in a 10K. Yeah, no, for sure. It is an element that I think gets lost also from the outside in, as I said, a lot of the the top swimmers like yourself and coaches would obviously know, but yeah, definitely from the outside looking in, it's just like, oh, just get in, go your 10K. Um, I remember I used to train back in the day, uh, Mark Saliba, who was a a 25K, I think he was an open water world champion at the time um, at Campbelltown. And uh, I was just in awe of, like he was doing at times sometimes three sessions a day just yeah. some of the kilometres he was racking up, I was just, A, I was in awe of his mental strength to be able to do that because I was struggling yeah, just, to, sure. just to get to the pool once a day and he's, he's smashing three. So yeah, there's a lot of effort goes into it. But, yeah, to your point, it can't all just be the same sort of training speed every day, can it? Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, Chris is really good at sort of mixing things up and we know how important it is to have a good Two, four, eight, fifteen hundred freestyle when you're racing guys like Wellbrook who are going fourteen thirty and meddling in a fifteen hundred at the Olympics. So there's definitely an element of speed that I definitely need to improve to up the game and start compete with the big dogs. Mm. Now I've got a question about open water in a second, but before we get to that, you've just sort of made me think of another one. Um, do you have any aspirations slash goals in the pool? 
Um, you know, in the future, do you, do you, would, are we going to see you in the pool doing a 1500 or an 800 at some stage? I know you've not long been back in the water, so I'm not going to throw you under the bus <laughs> and say, oh, in a month's time, what are, you, what are you up to? But in the future, have you got plans to get in there and, and improve those areas as well, as you just said? Oh, for sure. I feel the boys got lippy the other night about a 400 medley and um, I told them I'll put some money on beating them at Queensland States because I used to do the 4am. But yeah. nah, for sure, definitely going to try being those finals for the 4 8, 15 and swim faster than ever. I think that's key over the next period to get fit and then, yeah, really focus on doing PBs soon. Now, when you say a few of the boys got lippy, it wasn't C Bomb Lee, was it, who was the Olympian? <laughs> was an Olympian for no, the 400 I am. <laughs> he is lippy, but I would challenge him in a 4 a.m. If you were the younger boys. <laughs> I was going to say, mate, geez, you're ambitious. He's on the Olympic team for the 400 I am. Uh, knock him off. Oh, I don't think I'm <laughs> now you know one of the reasons i was keen to get you on for a, a while was i'm a big fan of open water swimming i always have been i think what you guys are able to do as i said training wise even back when i was a swimmer watching the open water guys i was just in awe all the time but also in competitions as you said it's not as easy as you know, this is my lane and no one's going to stop me as you know it can get yeah. uh I, I wouldn't say fiery out there but certainly you know legs and arms are flying around so it's not always easy for me as a coach when i'm trying to explain to swimmers uh you know i think you'd you should be trying this give it a go obviously you said yourself you know you were sort of talked into it by your coaches at a young age i'm going to give you the coach's hat for a second if you were speaking now as we are because it's a podcast and people are listening hopefully if you were to uh to sort of sell open water even if it was just to give it a shot just give it a chance go and have a go how, how would you go about doing that Oh, look, that's a tricky question. Um, I've always sort of loved the beach. I love the surf. I've always had a crack at swimming and just thought of mix the two. It's really just something you go and you have the mindset that you're going to go have fun. And essentially, if I was a coach, I'd just get a group doing it, get the morale high, just tell the boys to go in and have a go. And, you know, maybe two of the 10 will enjoy it and go, oh, I want to have another crack at this. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, we, we usually do something similar to that. Um, and unfortunately, COVID messed things around and things got cancelled and all that sort of stuff. But no, it is it is good fun. Um, and if you're fortunate enough, and we are here in, in Sydney, there's always a few meets in around that sort of September, October time where it's not just 5K or 10K. They've also got one and two and a half. And I always think that's a good thing for even for the sprinters to get in and just do a 1K down just to get amongst it and we have put a barbecue yeah. on it's always a bit of fun eh? yeah that's it eh? yeah that's it um how did you always find uh kawana waters because that's where state was usually on up there how'd you find that oh yeah it was pretty good um can't say i love it there now with all the bull shark sightings you hear about so you don't want to swim by <laughs> yourself but no nah, it was always good to you know it's a two-hour drive and the whole squad sort of always did it from when I was young as and I remember always trying to beat the older boys when I went there but no I always loved it it's funny you say those bull sharks um, I lived up in um, Brisbane for five years and we I took a group just a small group of boys up because they didn't want to do it I said come on we'll go up one day we'll just jump in where they do it and we'll just have it I'll get in with you 
and they're like, yeah. oh, there's sharks. I'm like, all right, look at the size of me. If there's sharks, it's coming for me first because a couple of other boys were rakes. <laughs> and that was the only reason yeah. they got in. They're like, oh, yeah, all right, that's okay. So, yeah, we, we jumped in there. But then I thought to myself, shit, I'm really putting myself in here because, yeah, they can be. But, <laughs> nah, it's a good little spot there, and especially if it's a good day, uh, I, I really enjoy it up there. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Yeah. Mate, trials for open water, unlike uh, making teams in the pool, is a bit different. We, we talked about that before. Um, give us, a, a, I guess, a briefer version because obviously it can get a bit um, tricky and <laughs> I don't want to spend yeah. too much time on it, but give us a brief sort of version on how do you go about making an Australian team for an Olympic Games, uh, as you said, yeah. you can almost start from next year if, if you wanted to. H- how does that come about? What's the protocols there? So usually, I say usually because last year it wasn't the same with COVID, but usually it's top four at nationals will go to an overseas trip. But usually that first overseas trip, you can self-fund it. And then it's based off a point score after that. So top 16 or... It's top ranking for the boys. I think you need to be top four to get points for it. Obviously, you want to be first and second. And then from that, you go to another meet as well, another World Cup, and then points combined from those two meets, top will race in the 10K or top two will race in the 10K. Mate, it sounds like, um, well, for starters, it's a, it's a drawn-out process, unfortunately, for you guys. But yeah. I always feel bad because I feel like you guys miss that that moment. You know, you saw it in trials last year in June and, you know, Kaylee's breaking world records and the crowd's going crazy. Yeah. You yeah. guys are making it in an overseas competition where you get out and you're like, how'd I go? You got, I got it? <laughs> yes. And a couple of people are clapping. Uh, do, yeah. you, do you feel like you miss that opportunity that they get or are you quite happy with the understated oh. version of it? Yeah, look, I'm, I've never been too fussed by it. I think like a lot of people like yourself think about it, but not at all. Like the internal feeling you get when you know you've made the team, I mean, I'm sure it feels the exact same. And usually in open water, you know how you've gone and you sort of know where your place is. I remember in Portugal, I was I knew where I was and ran up the beach to my coach and at the time Craig he um he selflessly came to um Spain and Portugal those two trips it was 10 weeks away off two days notice and um I just remember running up the beach in tears he was in tears and just tugging it out and yeah it was special something I'll remember forever yeah nice mate i remember from last year um up on the sunny coast in the 10k and and you were battling it out with nick sloma right down to the wire at the back end of that 10 kilometers for anyone who thinks open water swimming is boring i challenge you to go back and watch that and think that wasn't exciting because i was i was absolutely loving it uh and that was a bit hot up there too wasn't it the water wasn't necessarily um you know as cool as it had been 
What, what do you remember about that race? Because, um, yeah, it came down to the wire, wasn't it? It was like 0.2 or 0.4 or something like that. It was, it was a dash to the end. Yeah, I remember that, mate. I think I had the best preparation I'd ever had coming off not being selected. So I went into it and had the biggest chip on my shoulder. And I was like, oh, you're all going down, boys. Like, who won second place today? Eh? Like, <laughs> and, um, yeah, just swam the perfect race, tactical, calm the whole way. And then I remember last K, I was like, ah, oh, this is mine to win here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is it a good feeling? So, I mean, if we can take it back to the pool side of things, you know, I'd imagine it's the same way as sort of setting up a good 200 or setting up a 400 and you're going into that last 50 or last 100 and, you know, you know you've, within you, you're sort of smiling, aren't you? As you just said, you're like, all right, this is mine. I've, I've, got the, I've built the yeah. engine and now I'm ready to put the foot down. Must be a good yeah. feeling to, to know, as you said, you've got that five, 500 to go and, and you are going for it. Yeah, I mean, that's why I love open water. Like, you can say, oh, I've got this all you want, but there's a million things that can happen in open water, you know. But, yeah, it's just a big game of chess. Like, there's obviously tactical parts in the pool, but it's so different in open water. And I think I love open water because you can dictate so much about it, what you're doing, and you can dictate the, what the person next to you is doing. Mm. I think that's probably one of my strengths being able to sort of manipulate the board essentially and get what I want out of people around me. Mm. Are you a leader or you like to just sit behind and pick your moment? Like Chris says, you only have to lead the last meter. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That is it. I've seen yeah. a few people make that mistake and they, they, you know, they're killing it. And then just that last bit. And I always feel bad for them because you know how hard they've tried. Yeah. It must be devastating yeah. at the end. But as yeah. you said, it's not always the smartest way to go. Let's get to Tokyo, yeah. mate. You booked your ticket. You're off there. You're heading over there. Um, but it's COVID times. Also, the other thing to remember, and I remember making a point to still. Um, um, you know, G you guys up before you're going over there from a podcast perspective. I mean, I don't have got a thousand followers or whatever it is, but because you guys went over after they'd finished, right? Or the, towards the back end in the pool? Yeah, so I think they were there maybe three, three more days when we got there. So, yeah, it was nice to see a bit of racing when they were there. But to be honest, I was kind of relieved when they left. It was it was too hyped when they were there. I was too G'd <laughs> up. I was like, man, I need to relax. What was it like when you got over there? Obviously, you know, there's protocols and systems in place, testing and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, this is your sort of first game. So, I mean, you're not really any of the wiser in terms of, uh, oh, this is different from before because this is sort of just as it is. Were you a bit overwhelmed by it or did you sort of take it in your stride? I mean, you seem like a pretty cool customer. I can't imagine you got too overwhelmed, but what was it like? Yeah. Oh, I remember calling my partner and I was like, oh babe i'm in the village and she's like oh my god how is it i'm like yeah it's all right <laughs> yeah i kind of just got into the routine of things i do focused on the process you know you've got to dot your i's and cross your t's when it comes to racing and that preparation was no different to any others mm. hey, we'll get to the race in a second but i've got a couple of other questions for you just sort of in and around uh, your racing do you have any pre-race rituals Oh, rituals. I think, honestly, it's probably a 
shave down like the day before, pump out some Whitney Houston, like just pop music, you know, dance in the shower, mm-hmm. even the morning of, because usually we've got to get up early, just, you know, get loose in the shower, have a boogie, try not to think about what you're doing too much, to be honest. So that was going to be my next question. Pre, pre-race playlist, is, is that what it is? It's sort of more pop music. Yeah, it depends what mood I'm in. Like sometimes I'm feeling way too gangster and I'm like, man, I need to chill out. Like I'm going to rip <laughs> someone's head off at the start of the race. I'll need something a bit slower, but, you know, if I need to get in the mood, you know, some Tupac, some Biggie, but I'm too jet up, like Olivia Rodrigo, you know, some pop. No, I know what you mean. I mean, that's, that's half the reason why people get done speeding on the highways, isn't it? Because they're listening to music that does G them up and next minute your foot's yeah. pushed down a little bit further than it should be and rear and rear, yeah, you're yeah. in trouble. Um, 100%. Uh, in terms of uh, in the shower and boogieing, one of my favourites to listen to just to sort of chill is more like Stevie Wonder or like old school Jackson oh, yeah. 5 because it's not, you know, it's Very it's superstitious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, I, I challenge enough. anybody to put Stevie Wonder on and not start yeah. just bop, just moving around. Even because I'm only a dancer, I don't know about you, but I only dance if I'm drinking. Let's be, I know the kids yeah. listen to this, but uh, yeah. if, I, if I've had a few drinks, that's when I'll dance. Otherwise, I won't. But if you put Stevie Wonder on, I'll probably start yeah. moving at some point because oh, it, it's just. It's rude not to dance with Stevie exactly, Wonder, right? It's just infectious. Um, <laughs> what about your favorite pre race meal? Let's go to the dinner the night before. What do you fill up on? Oh, definitely a good pasta. Honestly, I'm trying to top up so much. I'll have, you know, orange juice, more carbs. I'll have some buttered bread, some pasta, essentially just carbs. I'm just mm. eating so much food before I race. It's probably something that gets um, not thought of as much as it should, and especially at a younger age when you go into open water nationals and that sort of stuff. How important is it that you're fueling the body correctly and enough for the, for the big task ahead the next day? Oh, it's essential. I mean, sleep and nutrition, I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't doing both things right. You just don't enter the race if you're not going to do either of those two things right because it's never going to go well in the day. Yeah. I was talking to Chelsea Hodges the other day and we are talking about like, um, you know, massage, pre prehab type stuff and all that. How much of that stuff are you getting done and how important is that? I mean, we can sort of go before the race, but even in, with, you know, your week-to-week training and that sort of stuff, do you, especially with the kilometres you do, I mean, I don't want to be old school in thinking like, oh, you do so many, you must have sore shoulders. Uh, uh, listen, as a coach, the people that get sore shoulders are people who do lots of laps with bad technique. It's not that they do yeah. lots of laps. <laughs> it's with poor technique. Yeah. So there can yeah. be people who swim with good technique that don't get sore shoulders, but... Uh, that being said, how much sort of, um, yeah, massage work and physio work are you getting done? Well, it changes a bit. So I've just moved to Sydney, so I'm on N-Swift, so I'll be able to get massages once a week. But back home, I'd probably go once every two weeks. And then, you know, you hit three weeks out from a big competition, you try to go two times a week. But I'm pretty good at at monitoring myself and doing what I need to do at home, you know, get on the roller, you know do my own thing and just listening to your body really but you definitely want to be doing a bit more going into racing Mm. now you mentioned before you were happy when everybody sort of got out of tokyo because you were getting too hyped 
Uh, I can only yeah. imagine how hyped she must have been then when you saw uh, your open water partner and teammate Karina Lee become the first Aussie to win a medal in the 10-kilometre event at the Games. I mean, I was in bed watching it. It was actually quite early here, but I was surprised I, wake up. I woke up and I got yeah. to watch it. Um, where were you? Did you get to go down and watch it? Uh, and, you know, talking about being hyped, that must have pumped you right up. Yeah, so I didn't go to the venue that day. I wasn't there to watch it. But we had a setup in the village in our building and you kind of had a few TVs set up to watch it and I was sort of pacing in and out of different rooms <laughs> watching. And yeah, it was hard to watch. I had the shakes, man. Like people were trying to talk to me. I'm like, shh, I'm trying to watch this. Like, yeah, it was definitely like need to have a breather and meditate a bit. Eh? It was just, yeah, it was hectic. It was great to see. Well, again, for anyone who thinks open water swimming, um, you know, isn't as exciting, again, I challenge you and go back and watch, and especially that last lap and just how, you know, the race took shape and how she moved herself into position. And, um, oh, yeah, it, it was an exciting finish, that's for sure. I, I didn't end up, the, the race didn't finish with me in the bed, that's for sure. I was yeah. up, I was on my feet, and as you said, you were sort of pacing around and, uh, I've known yeah. Karina for a while, actually, too. I, I was fortunate enough when she was younger and she was on a swim team at Cotton Tree and I went on a national team with her and stuff like that. And um, So it makes it, you know, as you know, when it's someone that you're a little bit closer to, a little bit more on edge as well. And Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Yeah, it, it was a great race um, and uh, I've had her on the podcast to talk about it as well, which was was awesome. Now, I, I said before, we, you know, me and you um, – exchange messages every now and then and i actually was i sent you a message while you were over there and just said you know how's it all going you said that the water was nice and warm as you expected but you didn't tell me the bloody fish were flying out of the water what was yeah, going on there either, <laughs> yeah i don't know just i wasn't expecting it either mate no. Have you had you been in a situation like that before? Where I mean, you said it was a, you'd been in things where there's typhoons happening and stuff, but had you been yeah. in a situation like that before where you know, the the animals were attacking? <laughs> no, I've definitely not had flying fish during a ten k before. Um, I've seen dolphins and stuff, but yeah, no, that was first for me. I know Karina said it's one of them <laughs> smacked her while she's swimming. Did you get hit by any? Yeah, it was weird. It was like they were like kamikaze into the group. Like they'd just fly in from the side and you'd be three people across from the middle and you'd get hit by and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's an experience. See, again, that's enough. Yeah. Just if, if you want to try open water, you don't get that in the pool. You don't get yeah. that in the pool. You don't get fish don't get flying. Hit by fish. No, you don't. Yeah. No, not unless I was throwing <laughs> them at you from the side. Now, mate, let's yeah. get to your race. You finished 12th overall. Top effort for your first games. Take me back to that race. Give me your thoughts on, on, on what happened. I did wake up and watch yours as well, by the way. So, and again, I was in bed. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't that excited to be out on the lounge. Just yeah. too early. Take me, because I was, yeah. uh, that was um, actually uh, isolation, lockdown here in Sydney. So, we, you know, we were just sort of not work, chilling. But yeah, take me back yeah. to that for you uh, and your thoughts on the race. Yeah, I remember I was starting between the two German athletes that um, one had medaled in the 1500 and the other came third at Worlds. So first and third at Worlds, I was in the middle of the both of them and I was sort of saw that as a positive because, oh, here's someone to take me out to the first boy, essentially. And I remember we, we took off and they just flew and I was like, oh, like just fighting to stay on some feet and then 
you know, you hit the first turning boy and then you sort of don't know where you are. And then it's all sort of a blur from there because that, that was the first race that a swimmer's sort of taken off from the start and just had a masterclass, really. It made us all all look like he, it was a grown man racing little kids, really. Like He just put on a masterclass and sort of no one could really compete with the speed and endurance that he had on that day. And I think a massive part on it that played played a role was how hot the water was. No one expected anyone to take off. So I think everyone was sort of thrown a little bit and then that's the first race that I've done so little drafting, sort of everyone was kind of sprung out and swimming by themselves. So, yeah, it was definitely a grind. It was definitely the hardest 10K I've ever done. What's it like in that situation when you sort of find yourself a little bit more on your own than you'd like to be mentally for those swimmers? And, you know, we have open water swimmers that listen to the podcast mentally where, where do you go there is it just a matter of control what you can and do your best and or are you looking to see if you can catch someone do you if there's someone not far behind you do you wait for the i don't know take me to your mindset what, what are you going through mentally in that situation have you seen the movie after earth with um jaden smith and will smith I don't know if we can mention Will Smith at the moment. I mean, he's just pretty, it's pretty controversial. I mean, you're not going to slap me, are you? Um, no, I, I know of the movie, but no, I haven't actually watched it. Well, essentially, there's this part, and sort of they do a whole body check, and I do do the same thing, and I just sort of calm down, and I think, oh, what's hurting? Like, what's the issue? Like, do I need more drinks? Like, am I cramping up? Mm. I sort of analyze where I am in the field and, you know, if I'm I'm not a far distance from the person in front of me, get on some feet, put in a max effort for 50 metres, then recover or if I'm too far away, you know, sit back, draft. It's, I mean, a huge part of open water swimming is making those tough decisions in a pressured situation and making those right decisions. Um, yeah, I guess it's just staying calm and, trying to make the right decision for the stress that your body's under. It's another element I think sometimes, um, and you can attest to this more than me, but I think with open water swimming that gets missed is even though it's such a long event, it, it's those little moments sometimes that make the biggest difference, isn't it? It's it's that decision you're about to make that could either go your way or, or it could not. 100%, I think. The, the worst thing I do is use emotional energy during the race. You know, I get fired up. Someone smacks you, you're like, oh, it's on now. Like, <laughs> good luck. Like, so I think, uh, yeah, it's just pretty hard for me to not be reactive to things going on around me and using all this energy to build old mate. Like, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help you in the end, does it? I mean, might help you feel a bit better, but in terms of yeah. your placing on the on the board, uh, it's not as beneficial. Mate, what, did you learn any lessons out of that race and and your experience over in Tokyo? You know that you'll you'll look to try and implement uh, come twenty twenty four if we can get to Paris. I think it's just always the same. Like you learn different lessons, but it's always that adaptability word comes into it and. I think everyone was thrown off first lap by someone taking off in extreme heat. And I don't know if everyone was sort of ignorant to believe that he would be able to hold the same pace, but it is what it is. And, you know, you just got to adapt that word adapt. We throw it out there all the time, but 
it is what it is. And yeah, I guess that's it. Expect the unexpected now. Oh, that's the 10K <laughs> is just constantly changing. And mm. I guess it's like the marathon running. No one, no one was running the whole thing from the from the start going max. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's constantly evolving and got to change with the times. I think uh, for Swimming Australia next time, when they're doing a poster for open water um, in Adelaide, I think that's your tagline, expect the unexpected. Because to me, that's that's open water to a T, isn't it? You know, you can yeah. train and it's that old, I think it's Mike Tyson who said it, you know, you can go into a fight with a plan, but it all changes once you get, you get smacked in the, in the face. face. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Everything goes yeah. out the window and then you go back to sort yeah. of uh, – you know your basics and um and and i feel like open water is exactly that not that i'm equating it to getting smacked in the face kids it's a good event get out there and try it but it's definitely yeah things change things change (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) mate tell me about your coach obviously one of the best in the business uh you wouldn't be making a big change to your life and career if he wasn't talk to me about chris nesbitt uh, and how he's helped you and what lessons you've learned from him Oh, I don't know where I'd start with lessons. Um, he's just able to generate such a successful culture, I guess, and the support that he gives me is is incredible. And we have such a foundation of trust with each other that it just works and it always seems to um, to go well. Yeah, there's, there's not too many dramas between us, to be honest. I think he'd say the same thing and, yeah, we just get along quite well, to be honest, at the end of the day. Now, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you're not your typical athlete or your typical swimmer and that, you know, there's certain things you do that may be a little bit different to others. Do you think that's what makes it work too, that Chris does understand that and sort of, you know, allows you to to be yourself and to do things your way a little bit as well? Obviously, you've got to respect the the process and you, I, I've no doubt you still respect, you know, the boundaries and what he's doing, but... Do, do you think that's why it works so well? I think from the Michael Jordan documentary when I'm not comparing you to Dennis Rodman here, by the way, but when he was going wild and one of the assistant coaches were about to tell him something, I remember the coach saying, no, listen, you know, put a saddle on a Mustang. You just, you just, you just let him go. Do you think that's why you two work well together? Cause you know, he, he understands you as a person as much as an athlete. Yeah. I mean, I've been training with Chris since I was 12, I used to do one session a week with him and we've known us, known each other for such a long period. And the word trust is, is such a big role when I think you're working with a senior athlete like myself. And there's definitely that element of he needs to, you know, give me a little bit off the lead type of thing compared to other athletes. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, we've built that relationship and we know what we're both like and, you know, I know if he gives me an inch, I'm not going to take a mile. I respect his decisions as well. Mm. Is there anything we wouldn't know about Chris? Oh, what you don't know about Chris? I'm not sure. I don't know what I can disclose here. <laughs> oh, look, I'm all about the banter and I just rate that Chris can get around it as well, given he's such an old man if he's listening. <laughs> I'm sure he'll listen because because I mentioned to him uh, at State or something, I 
um, teed him up and said, oh, I'd, like, I'd love to, for you to come on. So I'm sure if he sees you're on here and he'll probably just listen just to think, okay, what's this guy about? Should I go on his, <laughs> should I go on his podcast? So uh, he'll, he'll be listening. Uh, I remember I asked Dave Morgan that um, ages ago, I think it was through COVID lockdown and stuff, and he was saying that Chris was out doing open water swims with you guys as well during during yeah. lockdown and stuff like that so he's pretty he stays pretty fit and in it himself oh mate if i look like that at 65 i'll be stoked he's always <laughs> doing something you know he cycles to and from the pool swim sessions i don't know how he does it to be honest with you but yeah he's a fit bloke and you know practice what you preach he he works hard as well so yeah yeah, no, I'll have to, maybe that's, maybe when I talk to him, I'll take a bit of that from, from that chat. Try and, yeah. I don't know if I could ride to work though. I live about 40 minutes from work, so I don't, I don't know how you'd ride. Get, you'd get fit. Yeah, I, get, I might get hit too on the M5 because it's a crazy <laughs> driver. Uh, oh, mate, stepping shit. away from the pool uh, and the ocean for a bit now, when you're not going up and down the black line, we, we mentioned motorbikes before, but what, what do you like to do to sort of, to get away? Oh, what do I do? You know, I'll go surfing. Um, I'm on the motorbikes a lot. Um, to be honest, if you'd ask my partner, I spend too much time with my friends, you know. She calls them <laughs> my boyfriends. You know? On the Gold Coast, I'd see them every day and we live at different places. So I don't know. I just, um, to be honest, I'm usually always doing something. I'm the type of person that can't live in sort of assuming bubble i've got to be doing different stuff or else i'd go crazy so as long as i'm doing something yeah how important is that balance for you you know if it, how important is it do you catch yourself sometimes and i could imagine leading up to olympic games although it you, you're very zero focused did you have to find time to go hey listen I, i've got to you know have a day off here or i've got a might not be a day off but it might just be the afternoon to go do something do you are you conscious of that Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I spoke about one of my coaches, Craig, that came overseas with me and it was just us two training. And then I think we did so well because when we weren't at the pool, we were just best mates and there was nothing nothing about swimming would be spoken about, no sessions would be spoken about. You know, it'd just be like talking to your best mate and we'd go and have pizza one night or we'd chill by the hotel pool and read a book, you know play table tennis and then I guess it's the same in my life with everyone you know when I'm not at the pool I'm not talking about swimming mm. I mean my, my best mates didn't know I was an open water swimming <laughs> athlete till <laughs> just before the Olympics like I just don't talk about it and I think for me that's such a big part of my success being able to have different lives essentially yeah I like the idea. I know it wouldn't have happened this way, but I like the idea of, you know, them just tuning into the Olympics one day. Hey, is that Kai? Shit. <laughs> now I know why he's not returning my messages. There he is. Look yeah, at him go. At <laughs> did you know he did this? Oh, I might, yeah. might have had an inkling. Uh, mate, yeah. You mentioned they're getting away from the pool, and I like to finish my chats with some less serious questions because it sort of lets us know what you get up to when you are away from the pool. So what, what's your favourite music? We know what you're listening to to sort of unwind, but if – if you're in the car or you're riding your bike and you got, I don't know if you're allowed to have earpods in, AirPods in when you're yeah, riding yeah, your bike. But, um, yeah. What are you listening to? Ooh. Well, Spotify, I would say my most listened to music's probably old school gangster rap. 
Okay. So what? So I think you mentioned before Tupac, is it? Yeah. Tupac, Biggie, Big L. Yeah, back in the old days. Uh, what about your favorite movies, mate? What do you like to watch? Oh, I'm a huge sucker for rom-com. I think the best rom-com out is either About Time or 10 Things I Hate About You. Those two, they slap. 10 Things I Hate About You, there's an old thing. I haven't, I haven't seen that in a long time. Good yeah. old uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a classic back when I was younger. And you're a lot younger yeah. than I am, so <laughs> that, that was definitely. I actually yeah. think I went to the movies with someone to watch that. But anyway, let's not get myself in trouble. I'm married now. Um, <laughs> favorite country you visited, mate? Ooh, um, probably the Netherlands for Junior Worlds. First time going to Europe. Yeah, it was really cool. What'd you like about it? Oh, just the different setup they got going. Like you've got a million push bikes, you've got tiny cars, the people were so nice. Like where I was was in Horn, so I was a little bit out of the city. Yeah, it was just such a nice place. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Europe. And yeah, I know you went to Portugal. What what was that like there? My wife's Portuguese, so that's why I've got a vested interest in this question. But what what oh, did you enjoy it there? Yeah, it was nice there, but it was sort of when you're on on race week, you don't really explore too much, really. And yeah. I was out of there the day after racing. So, I mean, it, it was Europe. Like, it was nice, but I didn't have that element of being able to go and look around. So, I didn't have time to fall in love with it, really. Yeah, no, no. It would be harder for you guys. You're straight in and you're straight out. Uh, mate, what yeah. about the favourite moment in your career so far? And, and I ask that because for you guys as athletes it's not always the moment that we would think it is do you know what i mean sometimes we go oh it'd be this one but sometimes it's a moment for you that's a little bit special for a different reason so your favorite moment for you so far man it's tricky trying to pinpoint one moment i've had you know it was special in 2019 getting a hug mom and dad after the 10k even though it was sort of more they were consoling me but you know, that was really special. Um, or it'd be last year qualifying in Portugal and, you know, in tears with your coach. Like, you've sacrificed so much and it pays off. And you've both sacrificed so much, not just you. And Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely... Uh, and that's why I like doing this podcast and I like going back and, and telling the stories about when you were younger and what you went through and ups and downs because... I think for a lot of people who get to watch swimming on TV and they see the, you know, the athletes going nuts. And again, they don't really sometimes get to see you guys because you, you know, you're making a team somewhere from, yeah. in Portugal somewhere. We get a photo or something that's up on a swimming <laughs> magazine. Like, yeah. but we, we don't get the big reaction that you get to see on TV, but you, you always see that and people are like, Oh, you know, look at that. But they don't really understand, as you said, sort of how much, uh, is behind that celebration, which, you know, I, I can appreciate. And that's why I love doing the podcast to give everyone that appreciation. What about your biggest influences uh, in your life? Um, oh, I'd have to say David Proud, my coach, when I was younger. I don't think I'd be in open water swimming without his guidance. And he, we, he used to throw hectic training camps and we'd always be watching little clips from the Olympics and stuff. And then I think that's kind of where the real Olympic dream was sort of ignited as a little kid watching 
you know, a four by one, the 2000 Sydney Olympics, and, you know, all these different races. So I think he played a major role. And then, you know, Chris Nesbitt guiding me up from, you know, a young kid, 16, 17, whenever I started with him to building me up into a athlete and away from the pool, a good person. So, mm. yeah. He's a good man, Proudy. I I, um, I got to know him a bit while I was up in, in Brisbane and um, he's a hard worker and he, he does some, some great stuff. So um, shout out to Proudy if he listens. I'm sure he listens occasionally. Yeah. I'm sure that sure nobody's an avid listener, but they drop in every now and then, especially if he sees your name, he might drop in. Yeah. What about your, your favourite quote, mate? Do you have any quotes that you, you like to keep? Oh, I've got a few, um, you know. I throw around the not why me, try me a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a few good quotes. Um, usually they're from Rocky. Yeah, something to get you pumped up. I mean, mm. I've just been so fortunate in my career to have such supportive people around me, like mum and dad, partner, best mates, coaching staff. Like, I think that's just played a major role in staying motivated and getting to where i am yeah it's an understated part of uh the success of swimmers sometimes isn't it it's not just the swimmers work it's the support team around them as you said and sometimes not just the coach it's mum and dad who drove you to to the pool every day as you get older it's your it's your partner that's got to put up with all the time that you're not there with them and they're oh you know because you know if i was with a normal person they'd be here you know through this time but now it's the same for coaches too mate to be honest you know we're always off with you guys when you know normal people are at home that nine to five job so no absolutely mate i I can understand that there's a lot of uh boxing references and stuff through here man have you ever thought of putting the gloves on have you ever done that yourself in terms of training wise oh i can remember being young as and me and my mates used to throw hands in the backyard now i've been put to sleep a few times boxing i remember (laughs) oh i started doing a fair bit of boxing when i wasn't swimming because my mate did a bit of boxing and we used to give each other a bit of a touch up and take it too far at the gym you'd end up on the floor grappling and wrestling but no i just i just love sort of that physical aspect of competition essentially so yeah i wasn't a swimmer or maybe in the future might be a boxer. Well, it's great training anyway, isn't it? It's it's, it's great yeah. training. And as you said, there's always that one guy, like you just, you know, we're sparring, but then there's someone who just goes a little bit too. And then you're like, oh, oh, all right. That's it's on, is it? me going yeah. too far. <laughs> <laughs> there's always one guy. There's always one. Oh, all right. It's on, is it? And then next minute yeah. we're in. But I've never been fit enough to, because I always think oh, if I could land one, I'd go all right. But yeah. I'm not going to be able to go for as long as the guy in front of me is. So I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to just keep playing there. I'll just keep going with it. See, that was my strength. I had no technique to it, whereas he <laughs> did. But he was gas. So <laughs> I just had to keep running around him. Oh, mate, that's a well, mate. Get the gloves on after you know when for training yeah. especially. But you know, once you decide yeah. to to put hang the togs up, get the gloves on, uh, mate. Before yeah. I let you go, what what goals does Kai Edwards have his eyes on next? Uh, so in about 14 weeks, I go to Paris for World Cup. Um, I've got my goals set there. And obviously, I, I want to be up there in 15 weeks, regardless of what's happened in the past, how much training I've done. You know, I've got no excuses. I want to 
be performing at my best at that meet and then I think there might be another World Cup at the end of the year and then you're looking at states and stuff in December and I want to be swimming PBs there as well. Yeah, nice, man. It's good to see. Fire's back, I can tell. You've got that smile about yeah. you've got the eyes, the steely look in your eyes. You're ready to rumble, <laughs> uh, mate, which yeah. is great to see. Uh, thank you very much for coming on for a chat. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, I knew it would be a pretty chilled chat anyway just from our interactions before. I didn't have that many um, questions, if I'm being honest, because I just knew that we'd be able to just make this <laughs> flow, and I, and I think we have, mate. So thank you very much yeah. for coming on for a chat. Good luck on those goals that you've set for yourself. Um, and I, I know that uh, if you tackle it as, as tough as you tackled your other goals in the past, mate, you'll kick it out of the park. So thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swing Podcast. Legend, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.